Well, today's program is a combination of a few missed news stories, some updates, and some hope in difficult times. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. A couple of updates to start the program. We should be, I've been told, back on WRMI's 9455 kilohertz frequency. And that, I believe, is at um, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Pacific. And there had been a a major problem with that, that particular transmitter system. And so we are thankful that it is back on the air. It came back on, I believe, back on either Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember specifically, but we're thankful that that we're back on the air there. Uh, Not sure about the status of KVOH. I know they're also experiencing a problem and seeking parts for their transmitter. And hopefully they will be back on the air sometime soon as well. You you don't realize how much you miss some of these stations and frequencies until something happens and they're not able to operate. One of the realities in the shortwave radio industry is that there are not that many engineers left out there and it's hard sometimes to even source the parts. Everybody's so internet-centric it's even difficult for AM and FM radio stations at time, at times as well uh, to keep going, finding engineering staff. The only big difference, especially in the world of FM and, and conventional AM, there are a few companies that do make, shall we say, solid state and easier to maintain equipment for those particular frequencies, but nobody's really doing that for shortwave. And long wave, you can pretty much forget about it. So it's one of the things we're going to have to occasionally have to endure when some of these radio stations have a problem. Now, many years ago, an individual, a man by the name of Maximilian Robespierre, made a very fascinating statement that I believe is very true then as it is today, and it will continue to be true in the future. Now listen to this very carefully. What he said was, the secret of freedom lies in educating people, whereas the secret of tyranny is keeping them ignorant. Let me say that again. He said this like hundreds of years ago. The secret of freedom lies in educating the people, whereas the secret of tyranny is keeping them ignorant. If you look at our education system here in the United States, and I'm sure the same can be said for Canada, United Kingdom, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, pretty much the entire Western world, education is not so much the goal of educators any longer. It is compliance and indoctrination to a political ideology and essentially an earth-based theology. I mean, look at our public school systems. 
from kindergarten they're being told that mankind is killing the planet killing the polar bears destroying everything in its path and your parents at home are guilty of wrecking the environment and you as a little kindergartner or first or second grader need to educate your parents or really indoctrinate your parents there was a time that common sense prevailed for most people there was a time that education gave you facts and information without so much of the bias without so much of the tainting of political ideology i mean it's always been there i understand that but people could make up their minds for themselves Today on college campuses here in the United States, if you are a conservative and you have a conservative idea, you're probably going to have a violent, screaming, cursing, foul-mouthed mob wearing face diapers screaming at you trying to shut you down because they don't want to hear what you have to say, but they demand you listen to them and you comply to them. It's a one-way street. They want you not to spread information. They want to keep everybody ignorant and living in their little happy bubble world. There are a lot of news stories that I run into each and every week. And and I, I debate sometimes even sharing them with you for various reasons. In some cases... I think there's been so much indoctrination on some topics, even conservatives are not sure what side of an issue to be on. And I get it. It's not easy out there anymore. I have mixed emotions about the war in Ukraine. To me, it's not nearly as simple as the media, including Newsmax and Fox and others, are trying to lead you to believe. And I'm considering kind of giving you a little history lesson, not today, and some news stories that may open your eyes just a little bit about that situation. And you may look at it slightly differently than you do today. Why are we spending all of this money in Ukraine? What is the reason? What is the real end game? What has NATO been doing since the 1940s, really? except spending lots of money. It goes back to what I've said a dozen times before, what Dwight Eisenhower said as he left the presidency in January of 1961, beware the military-industrial complex. They will keep spinning up wars and conflict and want more and more money from governments to build new armaments It's a never-ending cycle of keeping us on the verge of war. The problem is we are going to end up in a war if we're not careful. And it's a war that I think the United States, unfortunately, is in no condition to win. And I've said this before, too, and I don't want this to sound depressing. It's not meant to be. But when is the last time the United States actually won a war? 1945. 
I'm serious. 1945. Korea is still a conflict. It's an armistice. There's not any actual fighting going on, but there is a demilitarized zone. And troops on either side are ready on a moment's notice to go back to war. And have been for almost 70 years. Vietnam. How did that end? It ended miserably with the United States bailing out of Saigon in April of 1975. How did the war on terror go? How did Iraq go? None of it went well. How did Afghanistan go? Not well. And today... The United States Navy and the Air Force and the Army and even the Marines are more concerned about teaching their soldiers how to use the correct pronouns. I mean, after all, that that manly sergeant over there may be identifying today as a woman, so you need to find out what their pronouns are. We are destroying the military from inside. We are gutting it from the inside out. And we are spending money we don't have. You know, when I graduated high school many, many years ago, the minimum wage was like a dollar, I can't remember. It was under $2 an hour, like a dollar 65, if I recall. $1.65 won't even get you a cup of coffee. A dime or 15 cents could back when I was graduating high school. Now, inflation, as many of you understand, is nothing more than a stealth tax. A stealth tax. Because, see, as the government prints more money to spend money it doesn't have it takes the money you have and makes it worth less it it's really a stealth tax and a lot of people just don't understand that when you have the trillions of dollars in debt that we have for our government let alone the mega trillions of dollars in debt that people have today that is so vastly beyond our gross national product there's going to come a day of reckoning and it's going to come sooner than later. This entire system is going to come crashing down rapidly. That's why they're already talking digital currency. A digital currency that they can control. A digital currency that if you don't abide by the rules, play the game, become green-oriented, eat the right foods, they can turn your money off or restrict what you can spend that money on. Because it'll all be electronic. I predict the day will come that cash as we know it is outlawed. Because the government cannot control cash. They can devalue it by spending money they don't have. But they can't control it. And of course they will tell you every bit of this is for your safety and to stop drug traffic, to stop illegal activities by eliminating cash. That'll be the excuse given, and many people that can't think for themselves will believe it. They'll buy it hook, line, and sinker. Just like I mentioned earlier this week, tell your senator and your congressman to oppose the Restrict Act. 
that act that's being sold is something to get rid of that evil TikTok from China. It doesn't even mention TikTok in the bill. It would give the United States government unprecedented power to restrict what you can see and even share on the Internet with fines up to a million dollars and 20 years in prison if they don't like it. Oppose it. And there are like 13 phony Republican senators that are supporting it. I mentioned them on the program yesterday. The Restrict Act needs to be eliminated. It needs to be stopped now. Globalists like Mitt Romney, uh, Lindsey Graham and others, they're all for it, which should mean for you, you need to be against it. Once again, the secret of freedom lies in educating the people, not indoctrinating, but educating. Whereas the secret of tyranny is keeping them ignorant. In other words, indoctrination. In the 50-some-odd years since I graduated high school and went to college, the students that I meet today coming out of high school know so little about American history, so little about life, so little about reality. And everything that to them is subjective. Even mathematics can be racist or subjective to some people. Makes no sense. Like I've said before, I talk to high school seniors that when you say, yeah, but two plus three equals five, and they'll go, but that's your opinion. And my opinion, where it doesn't equal that, is just as valid. No, it isn't. This is ignorance being pushed on the people. All emotion, all feeling, whether it's transgenderism, whether it's Pride Month coming, uh, you know, basically in about what, six weeks from now? That's a scary thought. A whole month that used to be dedicated to the June brides and normalcy is now being dedicated to reprobate behavior. And corporate America will jump on board. Now, a couple of quick updates before we go to the break. The church is coming along wonderfully. Target date for our first public service will be Memorial Day weekend, Sunday, I believe, the 28th. And I'll be giving you more information as we get closer. The location, if you happen to be in East Tennessee, maybe in Southwest Virginia, we would love to have you attend. We should be able to stream the audio both live and also on demand. And hopefully before the middle part or the end of summer, we'll be adding video as well. I'm looking forward to this. And I'm looking forward to watching how this radio program is going to change a little bit. I'm praying that God can raise up other people to help me with this program so the program can be better than it's ever been, have more information than it ever has had, and I can spend a little bit more time on the theology of the news stories while others are giving you the meat of the news stories and we can present even more information than we ever have had before. In other words, we go through the stories and then put it in the light of God's word. I think that's the most important thing that I can do at this at this juncture for this radio program. It was one thing two years ago 
to talk about the freedoms being lost because of the pandemic and the elections and all that went with it. And I'm still, I'm still convinced that a lot of shenanigans occurred during the 2020 election. There's no doubt in my mind about it. And, and I know that, you know, like I say, the experts on stealing elections don't make it that obvious. But you can detect and you can feel just from the things that I've researched that there were a lot of issues. The key was there's so many little issues, none of which any one of them could have tipped an election, but these hundreds and hundreds combined could. I don't think we're ever going to know the truth. Hopefully this coming week I'll have the webpage updated a little bit to tell you more about the projects we're doing. And that is truth, the number two ponder.com. By the way, we need your financial support to keep this radio program going and growing. And there are two ways you can do it. You can either support us online using Give, Send, Go. Give, Send, Go. And there's a link from our website, truth2ponder.com. There is a support tab, and it takes you right to Give, Send, Go, a Christian organization. Or you can make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio and mail it to Post Office Box 510. P.O. Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, zip code is 24319, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, zip code 24319. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. Orthodox Jew interrupted. Coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy. Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift in a moment. There was an Orthodox Jew, a student, studying the Torah and Yeshiva, the Hebrew Scriptures. He had a plan for his life. He was going to become a rabbi, a great rabbi. He was doing great. And he knew the Hebrew scriptures greatly, and he was going to be a great rabbi. That was his plan. Undoubtedly, he'd get married, have children, settle down in Israel. But his life didn't work out that way. His plans were a failure. He never fulfilled what he planned to do. Instead, his life was interrupted by a blinding light. The Orthodox Jew, Shaul, Saul, Paul, Rabbi Shaul, the Apostle Paul. Instead, he would leave Jerusalem. He would become an apostle of the gospel for Messiah. He'd be sent to the far corners of the world, to the Gentiles, before kings, planting the gospel throughout the world, becoming a light to the nations, writing the, the, the so many of the New Testament books, touching billions of lives, changing world history, become known throughout the ages. His plans didn't work out, but God's plans did. You see, God's plans are better. Maybe you have all sorts of plans for your life, you know, and things didn't go as you planned, but it doesn't have to praise God because God's plans are better even in the brokenness of your life. The failure in your dreams, God's ways are higher. Rejoice in that. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Not your plans, not the plan, but I know the plans. You trust him, you follow him, all the more go where he leads you because his ways are higher than your ways. His plans are higher. And as you walk in his path, you're going to find there's so much better by far. Just go ask Paul. Want more? Ask for Provoked, 
on CD. Now the free gift for you, the incredible, awesome proof of Jesus as Messiah discovered in the hidden writings of the rabbis and so much more in the mystery of the temple doors on CD. Ours gift, our gift to you free. You'll love it. And Sapphires, guaranteed to, to empower your walk in God. Free gift subscription. How do you get all these gifts? Just write down the name of Messiah, the real name of Jesus, Yeshua, and you call it. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed with your free gifts, but call now 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, my friend, you're on this earth for a great purpose, to be a blessing. I invite you to join with me in bringing the greatest blessing to the unreached peoples of the world. Salvation up to five continents. It's amazing. Shortwave radio, the farthest way you can ever impact the world for the gospel. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1, Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct at Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. Or visit us at hopeoftheworld.com. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Aleichem. His plans are better. Peace be to you, my friend and Messiah, Adon Olam, the Lord of all. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I took the break a little early because I have something I do want to share in this second half of the program. In my life in ministry, I have served a number of churches as a pastor. Now, I came into ministry later in life. I was around 40 when I, was, when I first started preaching. And I've served some churches that have been dynamic and growing, and I've served some churches that just didn't want to get it, just fought God left and right, and I, I ended up having to leave. And this experience has taught me a lot, which is why when I look at this church project I'm dealing with now, I kind of understand the potential pitfalls. The church is not about us. It's about our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the relationship that we build with Him. We are coming into some turbulent times that we cannot fix at the ballot box. We may be able to make things better in our communities, and we need to make things more secure and stable within our houses of worship. I shared a sermon. I think I've played this on this program not that many months ago, but I feel very led to play it one more time. And next week, we're going to tie it all together on some of the programs about why I am so keen on having more of a theological side to this radio program. Anybody can give you the news. You can go to Fox or Newsmax and get at least some of it. And I can think of other places. But to understand the news in the light of God's word is priceless. So listen to this message I shared after I had left a very unfaithful church. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time that we take a few moments to study and inwardly take in your word, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Be seated. Amen. There's a Lutheran hymn, very well known, that is sung during the time of the Transfiguration. 
if you remember that particular celebration of the church. And the words are, "'Tis good, Lord, to be here. Thy glory fills this place. For Lori and I, tis good, Lord, to be here. We're glad to be back with you this Sunday. Today, I'm going to kind of jump all over the road just a little bit. My mind has been, since Steve and I talked and he invited me to share with you this Sunday, I've been, I've been trying to think, what can I share today that helps us all in this work we call the church? It is not easy in this day and age. I was thinking last night, and this is something I'll be talking about next week on the radio show that I do, what modern convenience or convenience says, would you give up to have a better life? And I was thinking about in my lifetime that I'm that first generation raised with television and now we have a generation that was raised with cable and now a generation that has always known the smartphone which I get a kick out of, you know, they're listening to music and I'm thinking that my 1962 Japanese transistor radio sounds much better than those phones do. We have we've taken a giant step backward in audio. After spending 70 years trying to perfect it, we just eh, went off the cliff. But we live in a different age and I was thinking about this the other day. A lot of what we have is good. And I was telling this to my wife at breakfast. If I could roll things back about 15 years on the internet, we'd be better off. Because we have been taken over by essentially just a couple of dominating forces, Twitter, Facebook, Google. That's 89% of all the traffic that's non-porn. That's the other 35 or 40% of all traffic. This wonderful platform we've been given to many that are younger has become an obsession. And I tried to remember, was TV ever an obsession in my life? No. Was listening to the radio an obsession in my life? No, it was a part of what I did, but I still engaged with real people, real friends in a real world. And today, we are raising a generation that is focusing inwardly into a device, into a non-real existence, and when they have to face reality, there's anger and confusion, disillusionment, and you know, this, the inability to function. This is the world the church is engaged with today. I tried to think 30, 40 years ago, what it was like to plant a church. We had several advantages 30 and 40 years ago. People had come through life at least with a respect of people of faith. That respect is long gone today. 
The irony is the church demands us to be in a real world. And this is something that has been weighing heavily on my mind in the last several months. You know, where I was preaching at up in Georgia is a beautiful building. And we had a packed house for Christmas Eve. But do they really want to hear the fullness of the gospel or do they want to hear happy talk? I mean, most people in that valley are well off financially. Most of them are down here in Florida this time of the year. And there is a resistance to preaching anything that might cause you to have to look at Jesus and re-examine your life in his light and in his presence. And boy, you can get some real resistance when you go down that road. It is amazing in my time there how many visitors were encouraged by the message and wanted to come back and how many that had been with this place for a long time resisted that message and wanted it to change. In your lessons for next Sunday, it's funny, I happened to stumble across that in looking at where the lessons were, and I, and this, your, your lessons next week are going to be coming out of uh, 1 Corinthians, part of chapter 9. Today we were on chapter 8, and we're talking about food, sacrifice to idols. And the sad part is you're going to miss part of what St. Paul has to say because you're going to be jumping in, I think, around verse 19 or whatever it is. I can't remember. Yeah, it is verse 19. There's a part of next week's epistle lesson that goes just ahead of that epistle and right after it that I think, ironically, is where I'd like the message to center today. St. Paul goes... Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not my works in the Lord? If I not be an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of my apostleship are in the Lord. And then he goes on to discuss with them what it means to be called to be a servant of God's word. And how a person that well, preaches the gospel, lives by the gospel. That there is an inherent responsibility and job function for those that are called to preach his word. And St. Paul has, by this time, begun to see all the blowback of preaching the gospel. I mean, he's been shipwrecked in his life, he's been beaten, he's been arrested, he's been thrown in jail, eventually he's taken to Rome where he dies for his faith. And I thought about that a few weeks ago up in Georgia, that when you get to this one verse, and we're going to jump to chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, and it hit me really on Christmas Eve, the service there, when you realize you're in a place that is trying to be all things to all people, and it's impossible to do. Chapter 10, verse 16, the cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we all are partakers of that one bread. 
And it dawned on me that where I'm at, they're not partakers of that one bread. They choose to pretend it's something that it is not. It becomes very clear that when you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're not making people happy, you are going to be rejected in what you do. Many churches today, and I'm not, trust me, I'm not trying to be critical here or, or single any group out, but a lot of the modern church philosophy is we have the better music, the better light show, the better seating, the better video, the better entertainment to compel you to come in. And, and maybe, maybe there's nothing wrong with that to attract the outside in. But when you leave them there feeding them nothing but milk week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out, when do they get to the spiritual meat? All too often they don't. And this is what concerns me you know, you have these church jumpers. They, in other words, well, I heard they have a better praise band over down the road, so we're going to boogie on down there this weekend. And, and we don't have to dress up for church there. We can come in our bathing suits, our flip-flops, and everything else. You know, I'm trying to remember who said it. We're going to God's house. If any of us were invited to the White House, would we show up on our flip-flops and our T-shirts? Yet God's house, hey, God's my buddy. You know, it's me and my Jesus. Notice not Jesus and me. We put ourselves first. And this is what was increasingly becoming a problem where I am at. And the angst that I've had to deal with up there in the last several weeks. I could grow a church, but then I would have it undermined every step of the way. And I would be growing it for what purpose? for the cause of Christ or the cause of a community. It becomes a difficult thing. Now, we own a beautiful condominium that's just about completed up there, and you better believe we're going to enjoy it for a while this summer and next summer. It's a great investment, too. And what I want to do over the next several years of my life, I can't believe I'm actually able to stand today. We're, both Steve and I are in, in great shape, and... I hurt my back, and then it hurt my leg, and yeah, then he, he had a bad tooth, and he had to leave. Oh, I can empathize. Been there. And then yesterday, because of the back, I took a fall, and now I'm hurting even worse. So I'm just, I'm bad. It happens. It happens. It's called life. But what I've committed myself to do. And, you know, I thought about, do I want to fight for this up there? Do I want to stick around? Do I want to leave? I mean, there's been mixed emotions back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It goes back to what St. Paul says. You know, I, as St. Paul, and any other pastor, I don't care what rank, what, whatever, we are called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ without compromise. And the second you are asked to compromise, then you are no longer preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're preaching a social gospel. And from that social gospel, it erodes, it erodes, it erodes. And then it's, you know, becomes the all dogs go to heaven kind of theology. I can't do that. And I look at this world around us with their noses in the internet on a device, not hearing about Jesus Christ, 
hearing about the things of the world. A look at an unstable world around us. And granted, the world has been unstable for thousands of years. People talk about how bad times are today. Well, talk to the folks in Europe during the, the plague. That was pretty bad times. You think the flu is bad? The plague, a lot worse. Half the population dead or more. World War I, World War II. We've had times in our history since the time of Jesus that things have been pretty bad. And the scary part is what is to come will make all that pale by comparison. We're not there yet. We're on our way. And that's why to me, the urgency of using every tool available to me to share the good news of Jesus Christ is my primary concern, my primary calling and mission. And in debating, yeah, the paycheck up there was very nice and I'm more than happy to say goodbye to it. Don't need it because I have a trust in Jesus Christ. And I also recognize what St. Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, even so, the Lord ordained they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. He'll provide the need. Lori and I can tell you, he's, already, he's always provided ours in ways we oftentimes cannot comprehend. And we accept that. And so what we've come to the conclusion to be more faithful with all the gifts that God has given us. You know, being in Florida in the summertime is great, and we'll be down here a little bit in the summertime, but in terms of helping churches grow, not a great place to be. In the summertime, part of the spring, and maybe a little bit of the fall, planting a church in Georgia, eastern Tennessee, South Carolina, western North Carolina, I'd rather do that. Or help somebody that's trying to get one started because it's not an easy task. I've done it, I know. You need that help, you need that backup. And God provides. We live in a world that is changing so rapidly. Think about this, and I'm not gonna prolong this sermon too much, but I wanna just think, think about this. I'll use me as, in my age, in my, almost my mid-60s now. I've always known television, though be it black and white. Granted, I came out of a big city like New York, so I had seven channels to choose from, <laughs> not two or three. Though by the time we moved upstate New York, we had five. Three of them looked like snow. Of course, we had lots of snow, so we never knew the difference. Our first color TV set in our home was not until 1971. We were happy with black and white. I had a stereo system that I loved and adored and I collected the pieces over the years. This was the high tech of my day. But you know something? We had heat and air. We had communications. We had entertainment. We had telephones, though we couldn't take them with us wherever we went which I think is a blessing unto itself, the more I realize it day by day, this balance. 
Technology doubles every so many years. I'm trying to remember if it's five years or ten now. Our ability of, so it's, it's like the old double a penny routine. If you remember that, if you start over 30 days, have a penny on day one, you got a penny. Day two, you got two cents. Day three, you got four cents and eight cents and 16 cents. You know, it takes you to like the middle of the month, you finally get to a buck. <laughs> By the end of the month, you're over a million dollars. And that's where we are in our technology today as we keep doubling. I look at the speed of computers and phones and everything else just in the last 10 years. Look in the last 30 years. Look in the last not even 40 years. You know, the technology that put man on the moon in 1969, if you have a $70 smartphone that you bought at Walmart, it has more computing power than what put that thing onto the moon and sent it back home. And we think nothing about that. Where's our technology going to be in two or three or four years from now? It's going to keep growing. We have 5G coming, super high speed. I'm concerned about that because of the frequencies that it operates on and the power near our, our, our minds. We're entering a new age, a new time. We either succumb to this time or we use this time. The Bible says, while we have time, let us do good under the household of faith. While we have time, we are to share this message because the day will come when we do not have that time. It's an increasingly hostile environment. That's something I knew would come. I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. I'd always read about it. What does the Bible say? The day will come that they, they, will, they will condemn you. They'll think that killing you is doing society a service, those that believe. When you have people that, that become addicted to a social media, just a handful of places that are, hostile, that are hostile to the gospel to begin with, all three, hostile to begin with, they're the ones that are grabbing the minds of our younger generation under the age of 35. If you look at today's teenager, there's always been nothing but some kind of computer, device, or video game available. They don't know life any differently. And I'm afraid that half of today's youth will never experience real life. They'll live a virtual life until they try to get out on their own and they'll have difficulty functioning in life. And what you'll have is they'll be working miserably, then come home and jump back into their virtual world and never be able to keep relationships or raise a family because they will not have the tools, the understanding, or the humanness to do it. We have a mission. In this place, we have a mission in any church place today not to compromise our faith. We have a sacramental faith in this church, something else that really started to get under my, my skin. When somebody said, well, those things like communion, I know are important to you, but they're not important to most people around here. Really? Well, they take too much time. 
Yeah, I heard that one. If you do it, can you find a way to do it faster? Yeah, yeah I have a, you can do it faster on your own. And I'm glad that the Lord has, you know, gave me the opportunity because it reminded me of a place that I had lived, worked, and traveled in for decades. And in spite of all the negative, there's a lot of positive that came out of this. Reconnecting with people, places, groups, cities, communities, radio stations, and other things that I, I've known for years that I can do my little part and I'll watch things happen around me. That's my calling, to help plant and build churches. I plan on doing that down here. And when I'm not doing that, I'll be visiting my family and friends here. Because this place was a really huge blessing that you'll never understand as long as you live for Lori and I to come into this place at the time that God brought us together. And so you're a part of our journey. And anything that I can do, and I'm, I was telling Steve when we sat down a few days ago, what can I do? Because I'm taking life from a different perspective than it was before I left here. Before I left here, I was consumed with a, quote, job I really didn't need, though it had ministry parts to it. Everything's put, you know, this, this little journey has put everything we do in focus, you know, Jettisoning the things that are not important, keeping the things that I'm called to do, and creating the time to do the things that I should be doing. Being here today is one of them. Being here to be back in a sacramental environment is something that I have missed now for about six months. It's one thing for me to do the communion service, but to recognize that others out there are just frankly not interested or not participating is something else. If I learned one lesson up there, the visitors that would come to that place and knew nothing about its history, that were looking for whatever reason the Holy Spirit got a hold of them. I think Christmas Eve was a good example. They had a record attendance they hadn't seen in almost 20 years. And I worked hard to get that group in there. And so the church is full of all these outsiders. I mean, we're talking 137 people, probably 110, had nothing to do with that chapel. They were the new ones. They were the ones that we got in there. And they're the ones that received the message. The ones from there was like, eh, we could have made this quicker. And then you realize that what St. Paul talks about, and well, Jesus, I, remind, I was reminded of this. And you know this story well, Steve, where Jesus had the 70 and he sent them out two by two, 35 pairs of people to go out there to proclaim the good news. And he said, when you get to a town and if somebody receives that message and invites you in, stay with them and let God's peace be with them and with you and take the time to share. If they reject the message, kick the dust off and keep on trucking. Don't hang around. Don't waste your time with those that do not want to receive it have already made it clear that they don't care. And I think that's the calling and the message for the church today 
at my age, I don't have 30 years to keep doing this like I did 25 years ago. <laughs> then I'll be like some other, well, then I'll be like Harold Camping up there at about age 100 trying to tell you when the end of the world's going to be, and I'm not going to do that. But I'm just telling you that we, I've got so many years left that I can do this, and I want to do more in these years than I did in the first 25 years of my ministry. And the thing is, I have a wife that's on board with that, who's been seeing that, who's been encouraging that, who's been wondering about that. And even when we got up to this place, it's, it was the right thing to do, but not for what we thought. Everything as far as the building, the friendships, the connections, all that's been great. I knew before I kept rejecting that church up there five times, you know, last year saying no, 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 that, you know, I, I had a feeling that I would, might not be happy there in the long run. But the Lord said, do it anyway. What I've done is I've laid it on the table. They got a decision to make. And their day of having to deal with that decision is coming sooner, not later. There's another church that started in that valley that are mostly people that had left that church long before I got there because of the same problem. They're a very faithful group down below, and they're growing. As the other one sits in their beautiful building without the presence. In other words, the lampstand, the lampstand moved from the top of the hill down to the lodge below. And I finally detected that one day, that the Spirit of God left this place and followed the faithful. Yeah, I see some opportunity throughout that region in this, in this time. In fact, I see opportunity all over the world. I see opportunity for this congregation as well. God doesn't call a congregation of faithful people like this group for no purpose. He doesn't. And I believe the time is coming very rapidly, very rapidly, where God can use this group of people. The time is coming. You know, we, we don't understand God's timing. I, I've seen groups, I remember one church years and years ago that was founded in the 1970s, never got to what they should be to the 1990s. They hung on by a thread for 20 years until the time was right. And then God empowered them and they became a great witness in their community. Had they done it before, they may have failed. Had they done it later, they would have been too late. God's always on time. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share this witness with this congregation, these, these brothers and sisters in Christ that have encouraged us over these past almost two years. Father, I pray, I pray that the words that I've shared today at random, these random thoughts, may encourage this congregation to begin to find where all this preparation has taken them. Lord, we come together as families to grow and become as a family. And Lord, I believe the time for this church is now. Father, bring your healing power to all those that need healing. Bring encouragement to those that are discouraged. Bring peace to those that are restless. And may your name be glorified.
glorified in this place. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our time is pretty much up for this weekend edition. Where did the time go? There were so many news stories still on my desk when I began that I'll have to wait until next week. 
these are stories that maybe the mainstream media may ignore or may not give you a whole lot of information. Even some of the conservative media, they're too busy on other stories to keep your interest because for many of these networks, let's be honest, it is about the money. It's about the ratings. It's about the income. And many of their hosts are paid in the millions of dollars a year to talk to you about conservative values. Well, obviously, I am not paid millions of dollars a year. I'm not even paid thousands of dollars a year. I'm not even paid hundreds of dollars a year. This is a calling. And for me, as a calling, this is vastly more important the work that I'm doing. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to build a little empire here. I'm trying to build a safe place for you to get information and also to get deeper into God's word. That's why there's this twofold project of the church along with this radio program. And as I've said before, it's going to take others to be involved with the radio program. And thankfully, with today's technology, you don't have to live anywhere near me to do it. You could be anywhere where you have an internet connection and we can share materials and even audio clips and everything else back and forth. I pray someday that God's going to raise up those people that feel called to do this kind of work. There are many great writers out there on Substack and other locations that I read. And, and many people like that, we need to get together to work together to expand our reach and share our resources to even a larger audience. And for me, for me personally, I need to get away from some of the news and spend a little bit more time in teaching what God has for you. I've got a friend in Texas that'll be putting together his own teaching ministry. And I'm looking forward to when it is launched. And I hope that he'll share some of that material with us on this radio program. And once again, let me remind you the target date for opening the church here in Southwest Virginia, more details coming next week, is Memorial Day weekend, Sunday the 28th of May. And the time will be figured out by next week. And I can tell you it's going to be, the community is, is near Marion, Virginia. Look for that on your, on your map. It'll give you an idea off Interstate 81. Maybe you live in East Tennessee, North Carolina, uh, maybe somewhere in Virginia. We'd love to have you. We also need your support to keep all of this going. Would you consider helping us stay on the air? You can go to our website, which is truth2ponder.com. There's a support tab. You can use Give, Send, Go. Many people do. Or simply make a check or money order made payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. The mailing address is Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. That's 24319. Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. 
To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.